Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the In the Paint Show, episode 172. I'm here with my co-host, Chelsea Hopkins, retired WNBA and overseas pro. Uh, I don't know if she likes to be called retired pro yet, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk about that, and maybe that will talk about that later. But how are you doing, Chelsea? Doing good. And to answer your question, I do like to be called uh, retired. Um, basketball was good to me, and, you know, all good things come to an end. So I'm officially retired and happily retired. So everything's good. How are you, Ronnie? I'm good. I'm good. Basketball season's kicked off. We had a long weekend. Uh, I went to the Bay Area um, to watch some tip-off classic, NorCal tip-off classic. A lot of good players. We've been following a lot of good teams and players. And there'll be some good games coming up in the next two weeks. I think I'm going to be seeing you, Chelsea, in, in, in Las Vegas in your hometown. Um, we'll talk well. about that a little bit. And we'll talk about the announcement of the um, league that was formerly known as the NIBC. We'll get to that. But not a while. We'll talk about your retirement thing in, a, in, our, in our own pod down the line. We'll have a bigger take on what that means, transition, because, you know, again, not every athlete, pro athlete made, you know, $220 million in their career like, you know, a Steph Curry or James Harden, right? This is true. So we're, we're going to talk about that. And most don't. 90% don't. So we Not even close. Our, yeah. Correct. Correct. <laughs> Everybody. $220 million. Yeah. So it's like, you know, the only guy we can think of that's like that, it just keeps being in the public eyes like Shaq. Like, to me, Shaq is everywhere. It's like, the guy's been retired from playing he for like 20 so years. so many deals and it, like, on random stuff. You go into Walmart and it's random. like Shaq's grill. Like, like. I know. It's pretty crazy. <laughs> crazy. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll talk about those things later, but we want to get into some hot take items. Um, Number number one on our list as we get that is uh Bryce James. You know, uh, back at Sierra Canyon. I know you were following that a little bit and it's like, he was going to transfer to Campbell Hall. Uh, I believe his sister goes there. Then it was like he left there. Uh, you know, maybe the parents didn't like the coaching situation in terms of who got hired. And we didn't want to get into detail of that. But then he went over to Notre Dame. So obviously it was, it was something that was wrong. But yeah. you've seen him play. And now he's back at Sierra Canyon. And I can say this, that he's happy to be back at Sierra Canyon. I know he was at their like kind of like their version of Midnight Madness when practice started. And he wasn't even going to school there at the time. So I want to get your take. Like, you know, I, I know you you see him as a, a kid who's got a lot of publicity, a lot of spotlight. It's like, do you think in many respects, like it's hard for him just to be a, a young guy. He just wants to be a kid. Like he's probably happy as a whistle right now. Is there anything wrong with that? Like he's never going to be quote unquote normal, but he just, you know, it seems like he just wants to be uh, one of the fellas. What do you think? Yeah, I think he just kind of wants to be with his friends. Um, I think the biggest reason that he went back to Sierra Canyon was eligibility. Um, I was hearing that they yeah. weren't going to let him play in certain stuff. You know, sure. um, there's a couple yeah. events coming up that, you know, they wanted him to be a part of the team and him play, but they're saying he's ineligible. So I, I ultimately think sure. he went back to Sierra Canyon because of eligibility. Um, but I do think yeah. that he's probably happier there. I mean, he spent time there. He has yeah. friends there. Like, sure. you know, sometimes that's just the best situation for a kid in my opinion just to be in a place in an environment that makes them feel good and you said he's yeah. you know at their school even when he wasn't in a like a, a technically a student there so obviously he enjoys being there and being around the people there so you know I'm here yeah. for it um basketball like you know he, he he's an average player so I don't really feel like sure, it sure. like yeah. Does it move the needle that he's switching to all these schools? Probably not. So it's like not yeah. really to me a big deal. Um, I'm happy. Hopefully he'll just stay put and, you know, he can just be happy where he's at. What's your take Correct. on it? I, I think that, yeah, I think that as long as he's tapping it, it could be a normal or like as normal as possible for him. As as ever normal as it can be, then then it's great. Yeah. And you were like he would have to sit out at least 30 days yeah. on the sit out period. Which is big because you're sitting out till December 24th. That's the sit-out period date, and like you're missing a lot of the season in development, you know. So how many games? I can see that. For, uh, for them, it would be at least ten, close to ten, I think. So what, like know, a so third in the season? At least a third. At yeah, least a third. And that's a playoff team. Notre Dame's a playoff team. They would be pretty good. And and, and Sierra Canyon's good. Sierra Canyon is really good. They they bombed a Clovis North in a in an event showcase event at Fresno State. So Sierra Canyon's good. Yeah, I, we talked about Justin Pippen in the preseason show, and um, you know they're, they're going to be good. So see, Bryce, Bryce is going to have to work hard, regardless of where he was at, to get playing time. 
make a fact, you know, a big impact. So okay, we'll, so we'll follow that. How that let goes. me ask you this really quick. Is Bryce just gonna slide back in right into the like how does it work? Like it to me, he's just an average player. So it's like, okay, he's back in the school. So it's like now what? Does he start? Does he take somebody's spot? Is he coming off the bench? I think he's gonna be coming off the bench for at least a while. Chelsea, as I seen in the fall, and the reason I put them in the rankings, they play hard. Mm -hmm. It's like they defensively, they're really good. They really get after it. And like we said, they haven't really had Isaiah Ihulim, who's considered one of the best players in the country. He really hasn't been in the lineup. They're yeah. they've kind of uh, just jowled as a defensive team, and they really get after it. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how he, you know, integrates in the lineup with Ihulim because they got some depth and they got some athletes, and they can really get out and run and press and defend. So we'll see how they do. And like I said, uh, they are in the Fab 50, moved up this week a few spots. They're undefeated. Uh, number to number 38 from 46 in the preseason, four and oh. So we'll, we'll move on from that, but, uh, good luck to Bryce and, and Sierra Canyon. Um, let's talk about a little bit about this. That kind of touches me personally as a journalist, um, sports illustrated, uh, came out earlier this week, uh, on, on Monday that they're using kind of like AI generated stories and f even fake author profiles. Mm. Um, it's like, wow, you know, um, we don't know the details of that that much. We're not like computer experts. Me and you, I don't think we consider ourselves that. But we know what AI means. It's just like computer-generated stories, probably regurgitated words from the computers. And you're able to put piece together a story. You know, Chelsea Hopkins scored 28 points for Mojave. Yeah. Mojave moves to 9-1. and one. You know, it's like computer-generated, right? Um, but the the thing there is on on that, like, you know, Sports Illustrated is not just a run-of-the-mill blog or something. It's supposed to be at the highest level of, like, sports journalism. And we know it's not no more. We've mm -hmm. known that. I've known that. I don't know if you've known that well. But still has the brand name. And to come out with what's your first reaction when you hear something like that? It kind of makes me sad. I mean, I'm not, yeah. you know, a journalist by any means. But I do have friends in that space. You know, and, and sure. you can kind of consider yourself a journalist, too, as well, Ronnie, as many write-ups and stuff as you do. And yeah. I just feel like sure. it's an industry that's just super underappreciated. And this is kind of yeah. just even more a slap in the face. Like, I know how hard it is just, you know, for people to get their 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 pieces published and to just, you know, kind of sure. put some respect on the stories that they're they're bringing to the forefront. And, and now it's like it just... You know, they, they feel like robots and stuff could just replace everybody and everything. And and you're seeing that kind of as yeah. a trend in, in a lot of other spaces as well. So it's just weird. It's sure. like really weird times. Like yeah. journalism to is me is supposed to be personal in a sense. Um, you know, you yeah. tap into sometimes relationships and, and, and stories. You're sure. bringing stories to life that people otherwise wouldn't, you know, maybe wouldn't know about. And so... Yeah. You know, to just kind of put in a couple of tidbits in a computer and have them come up with something. I don't know. It just it just seems like I don't even really know how to describe it. It's just weird. Yeah. Yeah. Because even when you were around, when you were young, even let's say 2005, 2008, 2000, SI has still had a hell of a brand. Mm -hmm. And if you came out in SI or, or if you, you know, were featured or somebody team you featured, you'd want to read it like that's a, a pinnacle. Yeah. Especially for high school athletes that came out on the cover, whether it's Jabari Parker, LeBron James, not too many. Like that was a big moment. Yeah. It kind of stamped you. You know what I mean? Like, and to for that to fall off so quickly, especially with the when you're making computer generated authors and fake profiles, like what? And then like so that brand is being killed by that. I mean, that really hurt from the journalistic side. Again, the public might have a different view, but like you said, from my side and some of my colleagues. That's like a really big blow. Like mm -hmm. it hurts everybody. You know, oh, how do we know Ball's Life doesn't have AI generated stories? You know, like it hurts yeah. everybody. So that that's a you know note on that. You know what? Uh, real quick before we move on, yeah, it, it's just disappointing. Uh, what did you like to read as a young young girl? Uh, where did you get any information about girls basketball? Um, well, there wasn't really a lot of you know, sure. publications that were really going crazy on girls basketball, but just like Slam Magazine in particular, which sure. is still around, you know, they used to do a lot yeah. of write-ups on everybody across the board. Um, that's kind of it. And the write-ups that you would see on ESPN. I mean, when I was playing, it was like Hoop Girls, um, which I don't know if, girls, you know, yeah. is Hoop Girls still a, a thing on the women's side? Not anymore. Yeah, I think it's like under the W brand, the ESPN W brand. Yeah. yeah I'm not so sure. It's maybe they've rebounded re, or rebranded. Yeah. 
But, um, you know, it was like Hoop Girls publications and just little write-ups that you would see, like, you know, across the board on ESPN, um, you know, girls high school basketball recruiting and stuff like that. That's where you would really find the the stuff for us. And it was on a much smaller scale, obviously, than what they did on the boys' side. Um, But that was really it. So it's kind of sad to to see, like, how times have just changed so much and kind of just how things are different, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Maybe not like – And not different, like, really in a good way. Like no. we're, we're kind of just losing, we're just a little out of touch with everything. And I don't know if, you know, a lot of stuff, it, it's a business. So maybe they don't want to pay people anymore. Hey, we'd rather just, no. put, you know, you, you know, weed them out that way. But it's just, I don't know. It's just unfortunate. Yeah. For for me, my generation, we read a lot. The newspaper was big. So I can start seeing by the time you guys were graduating, your generation graduated from high school is kind of weeding out of that as a little yeah. bit. You know, you guys didn't really take to the newspapers as, as much as we did. And then the previous, the previous generation. So that I will say this, the Bryce Jameses, the Mikey Williams, and th- those guys are getting more publicity than ever. But the this average player good. from down the block is not. Newspaper yeah. coverage used to be good, uh, Chelsea. I don't, you know, they used to have JV scores, B and C. Like they would put stuff yeah. so you could be in like, oh, you know, save something. A newspaper clip was big. It, it was really detailed in a lot of communities across America. And it's just, we've lost all that. Um, yeah. And, and we did have that when I was in high school. I mean, the review journal in Las Vegas, I used to, I mean, my mom used to collect my newspaper clippings and the articles sure. and stuff like that. So it was a thing. And, and, and the review journal is still running in Las Vegas, but yeah. you know, I don't know what the sports page looks like. And just, it just seems like everything is yeah. kind of, you know, changed with social media popping up and people just want to see highlights and, you know, it, it's yeah. not about write-ups and stories so much anymore. It's about just that wow right. factor and you know what they can post quickly on on a social media page. No doubt, no doubt. Yeah, it's a it's a something that we'll see what happens. But yeah, that's a big shocking thing, which is just because of the name Sports Illustrated. I think it's like wow, you know, yeah. like I said, you grow up uh, reading that, and it's it, it really had a lot of credibility. A one writers, some of the greatest writers mm-hmm. that we've known for the last forty to fifty years, have worked for there. So you know, we'll see what happens and what comes of that, and how much it really hurts. Um, speaking of getting hurt, uh, this is a crazy take. Um, there's a young player in Hinsdale South High School, uh, Brendan Savage. He's a senior, mm-hmm. 224, and his parents are suing the Hinsdale Townsend School District and several Hinsdale South employees mm-hmm. in an attempt to get her son or, you know, uh, the, the son Brandon back on the boys' team. Uh, his mother, Aaron, filed a lawsuit in U.S. District Court. It alleges that Hinsdale South boys basketball coach Michael Belcaster cut her son as retaliation for the family filing complaint against the previous coach, whose mm. name is Michael Moretti. On May 7th of 223, a lawyer representing the family filed a complaint with the school board against Moretti, who's now the formal coach, alleging verbal abuse, that kind of bullying. You know, so obviously they removed him and the new coach seems to be his friend. I mm-hmm. let me ask you a quick question. Let's just put you on the hot seat. Like, do you think are you surprised that doesn't happen more often? Or like, you know, we don't hear about it. Like, do you think you know retaliation and and the you know that kind of thing is kind of uh doesn't happen as often? You think it surprise doesn't happen, or do you think it also is pushing coaches out? Like, I, I don't even want to tackle this because some parents gonna go crazy and sue me. Mm-hmm. You know, what what do you what's your take on that? I mean, I think retaliation 100% happens in in kind of all spaces. Uh, One thing that I read, and you know, there's so much misinformation on social media. So I actually first came across this story on Twitter and I read that the kid was all state or like all tournament, like the previous (laughs) years. So you know what? This is retaliation. He's the best player on the team or arguably. So (laughs) yeah, it's two time all conference. Yeah, I don't know if you yeah. want to set a precedent because obviously when you, you do stuff like this, then you sometimes you open Pandora's box and then people come out the woodworks with cases and arguments and stuff yeah. like that. But this kid, yeah. based off of what I read on Twitter, I believe that he has a case. The last two yeah. previous years, whether it was a sophomore or junior year, he was all state or all conference and he was yeah. a very valuable player on the team. And now all of a sudden he's not yeah. good enough to be at the team at all. But it's strange, Ronnie. Yeah. So... You know, I don't want to say that yeah. this is the case all the time, but I think that this family might be onto something. I don't know what's going to become of it, but they're not wrong. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're not wrong because the only thing that I say is 
the problem is the time. It's kind of like you said about Bryce James. Like, his senior is going by. They're playing, you know, he's going to need an injunction. And then when you put him back on the team, it's like, oh, my God. Like, is coach have to start him? And, like, now you have a big problem. That seems to be the big problem. Like, okay, Chelsea, I booted her off the Mojave team because I don't like her, even though she was all conference. But, like, she's back on the team now. And do I have to start her? Like, now you're not even coaching the team. Or it's it, that would seem like it'd be such a distraction. You know what I mean? That's like, true. I, I feel like it would be yeah. easier for the kid to just go to a different school. But yeah, school. Because, right. you know, even you you go through the court, you know, yeah. the, the the court filing and stuff like that. Like, how quickly does that put him back on the team? At the end of the season? It, like, halfway through this? Because yeah. as, as of now, the season is going and he's not, he's not on the team. So, Correct. you know, so it just makes sense, like, Oh, even if he had a, I don't know, you know, what the rules are there, but we talk about Bryce James having to, to sit out for 30 days. This kid could go somewhere, sit out a little bit and maybe catch the second half of, of his season and, and be just yeah. fine. But, but I don't like to see this because the kid being a senior, if he isn't yeah. signed, he's missing out on opportunity potentially yeah. to get a scholarship. The timing is really bad. And in that case, like yeah. it, it enhances this case. He's all yeah, state. He, he may miss out on a scholarship because of his inability to play because you're mad for, you know, whatever reason. Yeah, the retaliation because he filed a complaint. So, yeah, yeah it's very tenuous. You know, if you file a complaint against a coach, whether it's any coach, that is taken serious now. Really serious. It wasn't like before, like the parents had a meeting with when I would, you know, with the coach yeah. and be like, OK, let's iron out our differences. Like, dude, if you get something filed. School districts don't want to be sued. That That's number one. They just yeah, want to stay away true. from that as much as possible. So they usually get rid of the coaches. Yeah. And, and that makes it tough for coaches. Let's go on the flip side. That just makes it tough for coaches. People are just like, I'll just start a, I'll just coach AU or I'll just coach my grassroots team. I don't need this hurdles, bureaucratic hurdles. Again, I'm not speaking specifically of this instance, but like, it's very difficult, especially with the small stipends. It's really hard to be a coach. I, I give command to all the people who are high school coaches. No, it's like not big, Chelsea. It totally takes a lot of time. You're dealing with a lot, and parents are way more demanding than they used to be. I mean, even in the JV level. No, absolutely. So, I mean, my my dad was a, a coach for 25 years in in, in the state yeah. of Nevada, so I'm very familiar with the process. And I will say to these coaches' defense that these kids are different. They will file a complaint about anything. So that's why I don't want to just say like, you know, but I just think in this particular case, because of how talented the kid obviously was, like there's obviously an issue here. But yeah, these kids are, they make it really hard. So I commend all, all, you know, all people that take the time to to deal with some of these kids because they are just different. Like it's not like back in the day where you can be stern with them or you know, anything like that because oh, yeah. be, be out the window that just that fast. You'll be out the window that fast. Yeah. And, and you know, uh, just a take, take on that is in corporal punishment in schools was outlawed in 1986, but was already kind of outlawed federally, but it was already kind of outlawed in fairly states and school districts before that. But it, that was official. So that was almost 40 years ago. Like, you know, I was in elementary school and there were still like SWATs. In, in in kindergarten, like the teacher can hit you with the ruler. So like I kind of caught the tail end of that. I'm kind of like, oh God, I didn't need to get involved in that. But I can see where the old school teacher, I still I had some old school teachers young when my uh kindergarten, first, second, third, fourth grade. I could see that those teachers were like the 70s and like they were not playing, you know, like so I can imagine what coaches were like back then. Oh yeah, boy. And and these kids need some swats, truly. Yeah. Yeah, so oh, I don't that way anymore. But like, yeah. I, I'm being serious, and this is just a side note. But yeah. I have seen more fights, altercations, and stuff with teachers than I have ever seen in my entire life on yeah. social media. Just it, it's normal. These kids are talking about to the teachers, fighting yeah. the teachers, hitting the teachers. Like, so yeah. it, it's the times are just weird, like all around. So yeah, you mentioned that it's it's a big difference now. Yeah. Uh, especially there was that case here in, in Las Vegas. Four or five students are getting charged as adults for whipping a kids to death, basically. The kid died. That's he huge. Died. I mean, died. you don't think about like, oh, I'm going to wake up. My kid's going to go to school. Yeah, he may be getting bullied. He may be not socially popular. He's a little awkward. But like, ain't no parent thinking like, my kid's not going to come home today. Like, this is no way. Like, that's, yeah, that's like you said, that's insane. Like, yeah, it's you're just going to school. So. Mm-hmm. it's a real issue you know depression and kids being down and 
I, I never really experienced it. I, I was always involved in sports and stuff like that. I was always kind of a slick talking smart ass, to be honest with you. <laughs> and I, I was on a bus a lot. I was exploring different things. Like it was such a fun time for me. Just that's why I kind of got into what I'm into now. I, I learned people from and players from different schools and different areas of LA. I was, I thought it was normal. I guess it wasn't normal. You know, <laughs> like I just like, I would tell my coaches like, yo, he's good. Like this guy is a good outside shooter. That like, my coach used to ask me and I'd be like, I just thought that was normal. I yeah. thought every school was like that. Like you wanted to know about other players, but it, it it's, it's clearly not. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, our condolences to the kid in Las Vegas who, who, who lost his life, no. just basically like you said, over what you said starts young, not correcting them, not, having yeah. control in the classroom, it's really bad. So not only are coaches having a hard time, teachers in America, it's a really tough profession. They're not paid enough and it's really bad. So yeah. hopefully that, that we, something breaks through and that changes at some point. But uh, speaking of cases and court cases, let's move on to something that we're going to talk about down the line, but we want to kind of touch on and give people um, a little tidbit on it is this house versus NCA class action mm -hmm. lawsuit. It, um, Judge Claudia Wilkin, who we kind of know, we've said that name before on this pod. We've talked a lot about it on NIL. She's kind of a, a U.S. District uh, Circuit judge based in Northern California. Yep. And a lot of the NCA cases she's ruled on and she's ruled against the NCA. Well, she's involved in another one. Wow. And like I mentioned, it's House versus the NCA in 2021. She denied... Uh, you know, that the, the a motion from the NCA to dismiss, this, dismiss the case was denied. So mm -hmm. it, the, the case continued. Um, basically, the gist of it is that the athletes were denied NIL to, 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 until 2021, as we've talked about many times, and you know, and being on TV. So, um, Chelsea, this could be a $4 billion case mm -hmm. settlement. Um, the big issue, like I said, is whether... Current and former athletes deserve NIL back pay. I know you probably have some strong thoughts about that. And as of now, if it continues to move forward, the trial date is January 25th, 2025. So so we'll be follow, following it. But if they lose that case, Chelsea, you know, and, and people get NIL back pay, I don't know how far it is. Like, yeah, what's your highlight and your hot take? What does that do to the NCAA? And where does that leave this whole college sports, really? I mean, I think it's over for the NCAA. And I know, like, that might be crazy to think about, but I feel no sympathy for them. One, as a collegiate athlete who yeah. was a player of the year at my conference, maybe I would have got a little NIL, you know, at the time. But not even thinking about that, like, I just think about how the NCAA was so greedy that sure. they did not get ahead of this. They opened up Pandora's box by just shutting down any inkling of an athlete making any type of money for the smallest things. Sure. Punishments for a kid accepting a meal, like yeah, ridiculous yeah. stuff. Yeah, it's so been they ridiculous. created this. Yeah. They absolutely created this. And, and you know, I, I think it's a little bit unreal. Like I, If they make this go back far, they're going to owe a lot of people a lot of money. There's no way that the, the NCAA can, can, can survive. Yeah, survive. Can survive. It, yeah. Like, yeah. how far back are they going to go? Are they going to go back to, like, Reggie Bush? Like, people that, yeah. like, that, you know, like, yeah. just imagine. They they would owe a ton of people a lot of money. But yeah. I, I just don't feel bad for them. Like, I, I think that, honestly, they need to try to figure out, you know, like, how how they're going to do this, which, which I don't really know how it could be done because they would just owe so much money to so many people. But sure. but I don't feel bad. And, and I can't see them surviving this. That they have because they denied athletes their economic rights for so long, you know, yeah. they're going to be, they opened themselves up now that NIL finally got passed to all these antitrust lawsuits. And these people have the case. They have, they have the case every cases. single yeah. time. Yeah. <laughs> every single time. NCAA loves to violate antitrust laws. They open themselves up to this. And now they're going to kind of get what, what's been coming to them. I really feel like the wheels are falling off, Ronnie. I don't know how, yeah. how long it's going to take. Yeah. Yeah. But I can't I cannot see them, you know, getting past this. And I already read something on Twitter today that they were like trying to I don't know if they're lawyers or whoever's trying to come out and say, like, if you guys set a precedent for, you know, uh, if they lose this uh, college NIL litigation case, like we're going to owe so much money. Like there's not like we can't recover. But it's like you kind of created this. So yeah. 
It is what it is. They, they know they can't pay this lawsuit out if they lose it. Again, it, it's yeah. supposed to go to trial on 225 January. Mm -hmm. So you know we're gonna follow it. Well, we'll we might even get our guy Ramogi Huma, who's kind of spearheaded a lot of this um, yeah. talk down the line. You know, it again, but we just want people to be aware of it because this changes fundamentally what we cover, how we mm -hmm. cover it, and then. So the question I have for you: Let's just say college football, and I, for argument, say it's boys men's basketball, kind of breaks off. Maybe there's power conferences, and they start something that's not the NCAA. What is your take? What do you think it would mean for non-revenue sports basically to turn into club sports? So, like, let's say somebody had a rowing or they like tennis and it's no longer like NCAA championship. What do you think it means for, especially women, that if it's just a club sport, it's not a revenue-generating mechanism, it's just a sport? What, what do you think about that? What do you think that means? I think that's the difficulty because yeah. you have so yeah. many sports that don't generate revenue. Or sure. you have a men's sport that may generate revenue and a women's sport that doesn't. So, sure. you know, I would hope that maybe if the NCAA, you know, is not there anymore, there could be a little bit of self-governance where we figure out a collective bargaining amongst the, the school in its entirety and how they're going to be able to, you know, allocate wh where money right. is going. And yeah. I don't know the answers. I'm going to be totally honest. But I sure. know that there's enough money because I see yeah. that these buyouts and these coaches getting fired and stuff like that. The yeah. money is ridiculous. The NCAA has made a lot of money for a really, really long time. The sure. schools have money that they've made off of the kids, which are the product. And yes, they are providing the platform. So I understand there's give and take. Yeah. But at the same time, like, like I said, I don't know how they're going to get this done, but I just feel like they opened up Pandora's box. And, and I really hope that when the time comes, there will be able to, will they'll be able to figure out how to manage sports like that. Because I don't, yeah. you don't want to take away, if it's really about the athletes like or the students, like you say, you don't want to take away, you know, something that somebody's doing, whether even if it's not a, a revenue generating sport. You know, there's a lot of sports that probably don't bring in as much money as obviously football or basketball, but they sure. still have a right to exist. So, so you maybe think, do you think they should have some kind of plan as they know it's coming to make these sports viable and still be I, I, I championship sports. Okay. I think that would be the fair thing to do. Yeah. You know, I, I think that that would be fair because otherwise you, yeah. you would have to what kind of get rid of it. Yeah. But, no, I but, just think on my end. And again, I'm going to take the other side is that I think yeah. colleges will look at it like, okay, we have this football, we have this basketball. And in some cases, men and women's basketball, like, great. This is our, this is our moment where we can just cut those other sports let them be club mm. sports. Let them govern themselves because they're not making any money. And then we'll we'll pay what we need to to the athletes that are generating. I, I think it's their way to. But again, if they're federally funded and get Title IX, that's going to be a huge issue. So I, I don't know how they're going to do it. But I so can what see happens work. with the scholarships, though, on your end? So yeah, you're well, saying they become club sports and govern themselves. Are they still going to be able to get a Like, you know, like I, I'm on. They a may have to raise the money themselves. They may have oh, to raise wow. the money themselves. You know, no. because. Baseball doesn't have full scholarships. Like this is be baseball is very. Oh really? It's not like yeah. It's not like um, football and basketball. You know they have to give partial scholarships. They have a very small allotment. They have less allotment than there is players on the roster. So you don't want to really see that with girls sports because then it just makes it harder for it to participate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, girls scholarships in Title IX generous help so many women get an education, get involved in. Uh, you know, careers post sports. And I think this will be a big moment in that. And since it's male dominated and in my opinion, it's a way for them to say, Hey, we can't do these no more. So what are we going to do here? We got to cut all these sports male and women because you know, sports have already been cut Chelsea. I don't know mm -hmm. if you've been following that Stanford Cal, a lot of people have cut yeah. sports that we don't talk about all the time. Cause it's not general revenue. So it's already happened, you know, yeah. but title nine's a monster. It, it, that's going to be a monster in all this. I don't know how they're going to do it, but we'll, we'll follow it. But it's going to hurt women. I, this change is going to hurt women's sports in some way or form. Mm -hmm. It is. So, well, I mean, yeah. And you got to be, you're optimistic about it. I'm a little bit more pessimistic, but I think most people would already say that many colleges are already in violation of Title IX, the way they're operating now. Just they, they haven't grappled it. They haven't got to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's kind of like, uh, uh, kind of like a, a corner that needs a red light and people are speeding through it and not stopping. It, it's already there. We just haven't tackled it yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. I so can see it, that. 
it's it's kind of it's kind of a interesting situation. It's it's a big. It's gonna be changed. It's gonna change what we know as sports. As we, that's why we're bringing it up now. Again, we'll we'll tackle it on a episode probably by itself down the line. But yeah, we don't have all the answers today. But yeah, it's it's gonna affect a lot. So we definitely that's one of the that along with the NCAA case is a topic we we want to get back to. Mm-hmm. But uh, speaking of NCAA and speaking of you know college sports, we have a really hot item that you've been talking about and. I'm just going to kind of give you an exam on this. Uh, Chelsea, I'm not going <coughs> to – not, we're not going to talk about it much. We've already talked about it. It's Angel Reese and, and all that entails her athletic career at LSU and what she's going through right now. I'm just going to yeah. ask you these questions, and, and we'll, we'll maybe give ourselves a – once you come up with a, a grade for it. I'm just going to ask okay. you again. We're talking about Angel Reese. And she's still out, as far as we know, as, as the time we're shooting this pod from LSU's team, traveling mm-hmm. team. So, obviously, they're defending NCAA champions in women's basketball. So, Chelsea, question number one. Will she come back to the team? Yes. Okay, she's going to come back to the team. Mm-hmm. Okay. Question number two. Can the relationship between Angel Reese and Kim Mulkey be salvaged? Like, you know, are they going to have a, a good relurking relationship for the rest of the season? Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think I, we've seen it before with with Kim and Brittany. They were still functional, you know, for the most part. So whether the relationship is great or not, Angel wants to play. Kim's going to be the coach. That's not going to change. So I think that they'll figure it out. Okay. They figure it out. She plays. They figure it out. Yeah. Okay. Um. Now, her, speaking of her, we haven't spoken to her that much about her game. We've kind of been talking about bigger topics in the last two pods. Will she be as good in this year's NCAA tournament as she was last year? Um, she's going to be good because the way that she plays in college, it's not predicated off being like a really skilled basketball player. Okay. And I hate to say that, but she has a dog mentality, which sure. means I'm going to trash talk you and chest bump you and too small you and beat my chest and then <laughs> – and then I'm an athlete. So that that's her claim to fame right now. Like, you know, I, I don't want to down, you know, play her as a player, but it's like her game is not predicated on being a really skilled basketball player. It's okay. the dog mentality. She's going to play hard, and she's more athletic than most people that she's playing against. Okay. So, yeah, I think she's going to be fine. Wow. Okay. That's a, that's a surprising answer a little bit for me, just based on what I've seen in her live, uh, uh, you know. We yeah. can talk about that after we're, we're done with this quiz. So you, you answered those three. Um, bigger arching question. Will AR be a, a flash in the pan as far as this model of big-time women NIL stars go? Uh, you, do you think, when I mean by flash in the pan, do you think she's just going to be here today and gone tomorrow? Uh, or will future endor- and will future endorsers be hesitant if this doesn't work out this season? Like, you know, is she... Is she a flash in the pan, Chelsea, or do you, and do you think endorsers, legitimate endorsers, are like, okay, we're watching this situation. If this doesn't work, we're going to be hesitant to give too much money to girl because it's so predicated on her having a good relationship with her school and her coach and her being on the court. If she's not available on the court, I think she does lose some value. So, what do you think? There is she a flash in the pan? I, I think availability definitely makes somebody lose value. Like, yeah, I'm sponsoring this girl and she's not playing, and nobody knows why. And there's yeah. rumors circulating that you know, she's not smart and it's because of, you know, il- you know <clears throat> academic eligibility or, you know, whatever. So it definitely hurts. But on the flip side, what 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 drew her to these endorsement deals that she got or what drew people to her is the fact that she's unapologetically herself. OK, you know, she she's a black girl from Baltimore who. But it is not afraid to talk trash and be her sure. in in some of the biggest, most pressurable moments. So that's kind of what what and credit to her. That's what got her to this place. But yeah, availability is an issue. Nobody wants to sponsor somebody and then not be available. Like the point yeah. of be, us sponsoring you is you being out there and the Mercedes Benz and coach saying, yeah, that's our girl. Like she's playing. <laughs> So yeah, pulling up in the Mercedes Benz. Yeah, correct. So you're yeah. not pulling up in the Mercedes Benz right now. So what value does it have? Correct. For the so it is an issue 100%, but I don't think that like she's just going to fall off the face of the earth now that she okay. hasn't been playing for three weeks. Okay. So you don't think she's a flash in the pan. You think no. she has some sustainability as far as marketability in college for sure. I don't know okay. about the next level. Okay. 
and that was my last question. And this is really putting you on the mm-hmm. uh, on on the seat and really giving you a test question: Is will she lose value in a WNBA uniform compared to LSU uniform? Is she as valuable in a W uniform as she is in LSU's, uh, you know, fan base and, and, and their large following? No. She's not because when you get to the W, it's about being a really good player. And and I don't want to say that she's not a good player, but she's not a, a W great player. She, she's just not. And okay. and credit to her, she knows that. You know, I've I've followed her. I've I've listened yeah. to her interviews and, and seen her say that she's not ready for the WNBA. And she's sure. absolutely right. And the the good thing about her having that, you know, kind of self-awareness is that she does have time to develop to become something formidable in the WNBA. But but as is, she's not going to be a, a, a WNBA player that would likely even be mentioned often. She would be on, you know, somebody's yeah. in somebody's maybe rotation at the end yeah. and, you know, hopefully keeping a job and, and, and trying to improve. Um, but she's not going to hit the ground running in the WNBA. I don't see that because, uh, you know, her game to me is just predicated a lot of athleticism and everybody's athletic in the in the W. And then they're good at basketball, too. So it's like, yeah, she's got to get better. It's really exclusive. Correct. She's got to get yeah. better. Okay. So those are the questions I want to ask you. I think you, you answered them and, and I'll, I'll say your uh, grade is at least a B plus. I'll say B plus because I'll take it. yeah, because you're being honest. You're kind of saying she's not going to be a WNBA star and that the endorsements I, are just not going to roll so. in. It's just not going to roll in because she's part of the league. My argument is that, she's kind of more valuable in the LSU uniform unless she plays for the right WNBA team in the right situation. I, like you said, if she's not in a marquee games and not talked about a lot in the playoffs, I I, I think she's going to fizzle out a little bit. That's just my, I mean, a, yeah, like, you know, the WNBA is the most exclusive league in the world. Yeah. It's so, hard. There's people yeah. that are really good that couldn't stick in the WNBA. Yeah. I couldn't stick in the WNBA. There's, and there's a laundry list of girls who couldn't stick yeah. in the WNBA. The WNBA yeah. is historically a league that will cut their first round picks. It's cutting first round picks, correct? So it's like you can't just, you know, yeah. you, you got to really be, yeah, good to like be somebody. And like I said, she has time to grow, develop, and and I wish that for her. I'm saying as is my evaluation of her is that she's a supreme athlete and a great college player. She won't be a supreme athlete, and she's not that good of a basketball player when she goes to the WNBA. As is, period. Okay. That's why you got the B plus. So that's good. Uh, yeah. I appreciate the that that take and the honesty because it, it's a situation people talk a lot about, but they don't talk a lot about her game. And I, I just don't see her right now as a long standing in Dorsey and some WNBA team. I, I you know I think she's going to lose a little luster just because. And that's credit to LSU and the women's NCAA college brand. It's a really great brand. You know, we're not going to talk too much about the college this pod, but we will as the season goes along about South Carolina and maybe how good they could be. And some other great players, but it's just the average WNBA team right now to me doesn't. Again, I'm just being a little honest, I guess, or like calling from a person who's not super invested in every single team. Like the LSU brand is just stronger, stronger than some of the WNBA NBA brands. So unless she's in the right situation, she's going to be a little bit like she's going to have to really, really hard to increase her endorsement deals, that kind of thing, you know. So, yeah. And, but I don't even know, like, yeah. She's made so much money in endorsements, Ronnie, that I don't even know if th- that is going to even be her focus when the time comes. Wow. Like, like I know sometimes you get a little taste of fame or money and it's like, okay, like, how do I get more and more and more and more and more? But yeah. also, too, some people, you know, don't necessarily have to be yeah. in the spotlight for the rest of their life. If, if she if it ends at college, she had an amazing run. She made, what, $1.7 billion? Like, yeah. She That's can invest okay. it right, go back yeah. to Baltimore and be yeah. maybe or, and then maybe she goes to the W and says, Okay, my next goal is to be a formidable player that sticks in this league. Maybe yeah. the goal is for her to play 10 WNBA seasons. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know this girl. I don't know what, what her goals yeah. and stuff are, but but we talk so much on the pod just about what's a failure and what's a success. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I'm I'm rooting for Angel Reese just as a black yeah. woman and, and somebody that has been thrown into the the spotlight and it's difficult and it's hard, but I'm saying like, you know, she, just because she's, you know, running in the endorsement deals now, if they stopped at the WNBA, but she was still able to be on a roster and be formidable, then that would be okay. Yeah, that didn't that mean that she win. didn't succeed. 
Yeah, yeah. like, so I, I, I don't want to make it seem like it's like, oh, well, she doesn't get these deals anymore. It's over. It's like, no. no. Like, she did good. She did more than most. She's had more money and endorsements than I've ever even got close to having. So that you, you got to, you know, see the bright side in, in some of this stuff as well. No doubt. Yeah. And hopefully it works out and hopefully she gets back on the court. We'll see, we'll see what happens. It's going to be yeah. something we watch. Uh, as we switch gears here, and we want to talk about our, 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 our main topic. Um, you know, again, we're a premier uh, high school grassroots pod. That's what we talk about a lot in that lens. Even when we talk about pro or cause, we're still talking in that lens of, of the grassroots and high school space. And, and it's something that touches with us because we're, we're going to talk about in our uh, scouting report segment about a lot of arching topics, but it's mainly about the NBA and young players. And, and we want to touch touch on these players as the season goes along. And I know we gave, we gave a lot of uh, uh, in the draft show and a lot of shows. We've talked a lot about the young stars and and Victor Wembayama, how great he player he can be. And, and me and you are kind of a little bit on opposite takes of this. And, and you have your thoughts on like rookie of the year or players who are doing young. And I, I have a take on like more about the NBA in terms of winning winning culture and like you said being on the right team and that that goes into the WNBA too where being on the right team matters so yeah you know what is your highline take on some of these young players mostly rookies and and what do you see out there so far about 15 games and 15 20 games in the season well i'm going to set the tone by saying i feel that chet is the front runner currently for rookie of the year um i've had the opportunity to watch him and pretty much you know, everybody uh, else. I think Brandon Miller has been a surprise. Uh, Charlotte's not very good, but he yeah. wasn't really good in preseason, not preseason, but uh, summer league. And people yeah. were kind of worried, like, uh, like, okay, him, he's not that great. But I thought, I think Brandon Miller has figured it out. He's he's okay. going to be all right. Long, athletic. Uh, I think he's going to be okay. Yeah. Um, but I have Chet first, ultimately. I'm a fan of Wimby. I think it's incredible to see the highlights and stuff and the way he moves and all that stuff's great. At the end yeah. of the day, his team has three wins on the season. Um, <laughs> yeah. Their team is god-awful. They need a point guard. They need some leadership. Um, yeah. And I look at Chet Holgram, who has the same stats as Wimby on a winning, maybe East uh, Western Conference Finals type of team. Yeah. That OKC team is very good. And, and he is going to be a a really bright spot on a team that's going to win this year. They're yeah. not going to win the championship, but they're going to be in the mix. You know, San Antonio is not even going to be in the playoffs. So that's why I have him as the early favorite, even though I know the narrative and the agenda is to make sure Wimby gets it, and he probably will. But Chet would be my pick so far. Yeah, um, Chet Holmgren, who's our 221 Mr. Basketball, National Player of the Year. And then he went to Gonzaga, and then he got hurt. In a craw, Jamal Crawford. Yeah, but for Seattle, League, Seattle Pro Seattle League. League, and it's like, yeah. I don't know when I when that happened, we were like, oh boy, and we talk about it on that two twenty two draft show, mm -hmm. and we kind of talked about the same thing in the two twenty three draft show. In the two twenty two draft show, we talked about comparing him to Ralph Sampson, yeah, and injury, and then we talked in two twenty three comparing Victor to Ralph Sampson and injury. But to me, it's like the Chet injury kind of helped him. Yeah, like it maybe nope. got him stronger. It got him mm -hmm. to see the rigors of the league, what he would need to do to prepare. He could watch from the sidelines. He could watch a good team grow. The team, and now he's just like an like getting another number one pick. Yeah. You know, like type player on the team. So you know, we don't want to say it helped because nobody wants to get hurt. But it, like in your in your words, the perspective it helped the perspective yeah. helped them pre pre prepare. Yes, so, and to have that year to yeah. just get acclimated, to to yeah. work on your body, to not have pressure. Yeah. He probably feels so good about his game because it's like he's been yeah. practicing, he's put on some weight. Like, yeah. you're just more prepared. So yeah. I, I think that that makes a difference. I, I really do. And I think right now, like, you know, if people were just being honest, he's got to be He's got to be the one. Yeah. If, if the I, we'll was see about that. that. Okay. Yeah, we'll see about that because, again, Again, Spurs are bad. Uh, I want to talk a few about other bad like things and get your take on this. Okay. Especially we all watch highlights 
we are busy. Everybody's got, you know, you got yeah. a job. I got a job. We, we, we get on this pod when we can. Ani's got a job. Ani will be back with us on the next pod. He's just busy, uh, our guy, Ani Umana. But, um, you know, if you just watch the highlights, you're like, wow, all these rookies and second-year guys are doing awesome because that seems to be the focus of, like, uh, NBA podcasters and guys who break down film, analytic guys. And then you you watch the game a little closer, and then you look at the team's record, and you're like, God damn, this team's terrible. Yeah, you know, and it's like this team is not good. Whether it's the Thompson twins with the Blazers, or and Detroit with Jalen Duran and him, and and even Cade Cunningham coming back from injury, like you want to see these guys do good. And but what I see is not so good defense some numbers and some awful teams for some of these guys. So what's your take on that where guys are doing good, putting up numbers, but playing on really bad teams compared to, like you said, maybe guys who are contributing less, but in a better situation can get some playoff experience and, and maybe help themselves down the line. You know, it, it obviously the players we just mentioned are going to stick in the league. They seem like they're doing good, but they're not all doing as good as we think they we are. I, that's my take. I don't know if you agree with that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that they're all doing as good as we think they are, but I do think that there needs yeah. to always be a learning curve and like yeah. grace that we give these young, you know, athletes. Like, yeah, if a team is really bad, although it's not great for morale to have two wins like on the season at this point, <laughs> and, and and I think it weighs on you. Like, I, I've watched Cade Cunningham in his interview. Is sure. his post game interviews? We're really sorry. We're really bad. Like he says he that. Said he that. knows that. He's aware. Like yeah. so, you know, they're not aware of the situation, and I think it sucks. But at the same time, like you just got to really grind it out and be willing to build. And 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 that's it, that's a patience thing that you have to have with these young guys. And we've seen it with OKC. Like you yeah. know, imagine I, I I I was thinking about this the other day. Imagine yeah. I know I know he went in a trade, but SGA for example. The Clippers had him, you know, Shai yeah. Gillis Alexander traded him for Paul George. And he, SGA is like a superstar. Like he is ascending like crazy. Yeah. And, and, it, and at the time he wasn't that good. So, you know, he's an asset that you trade or whatever, but like, if you can, you know, take on the mindset of OKC, like you bring these people in, you develop, you got to put some pieces around and put it together, then it could become something. And that's yeah. ultimately what I think these these young teams need to strive for. Like, you know, San Antonio, same thing. They need they need veteran leadership. They need a point guard. They need somebody that, you know, knows that, okay, this is supposed to be Wimby's team, so, like, maybe he should, like, get the ball. There's been so many games where there's people on the team that are shooting Jack. more than him. Yeah, there's, like, no direction, you know? So I, I just feel like it, it, it's hard to be on a really bad team, but – if, if these teams are really investing and in trying to do things the right way, then, you know, three, four years down the line, it could become something. And, and I'm really watching that with OKC and their team is really good. So obviously it does help Chet to be on a better team in a better environment. Um, yeah. But that's just the way the, the, the luck of the draw and the way that the draft is like, if you're a, a really good pick, you're going to go to a sorry team. Yeah. So you got to be able to get past those years. I think that's changed a little bit because before, before the days of, uh, you know, being able to watch every game on League Pass and in social media, we knew college stars. And uh, when I was a kid and we're like, yeah, he's balling. He's a great player and he can be on a bad team. We, we didn't look at it different. We just said, hey, he's a damn good player. But we didn't look at it in the lens we do now because we only watched the, the best teams. The only True. teams that are on TV were the Lakers, Bulls, Pistons, and yeah. Michael Jordan on WGN. Like, we didn't get a chance to watch, like, you know, Mitch Richmond that much, unless you watch really were a big fan of the Gold State Warriors. He's a hell of a player. Things like that. Yeah. Glenn Rice and Charlotte. It was awesome before he came to the Lakers. You didn't get to watch every Charlotte game, you know, like yeah. just looked at it a little differently. Now it's like broken down. Every big play's broken down. There's all these advanced analytics. So it sometimes puts a little too much praise, I think, on players that are not having the impact that we think they are. You know, yeah. and it sucks for like a guy like, Cade Cunningham, whose high school team didn't lose his senior year. He was a national player of the year before Chet. And then he goes to a pretty good college team, you know, like that he's relied on to win. But like when you get to the NBA, you're going to lose a lot. So yeah. that's a question I want to ask you. You know, you play for a winning high school team. You know, San Diego State wins a lot more than they lose. Mm -hmm. um, what's the mindset 
let's say you're in a in the WMA team and you 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 go five and five, whatever you go two and two and you're like, how do girls and maybe you can even speak for some of your friends? How do how do you get used to losing? How does that compare to high school and college? You don't lose when you're in high school and college. Good players, they don't lose that much. As we've yeah. you know, how, wh what do you do when you go home or what do you do when you got to go to practice tomorrow? You know, is that part of the main part of being a pro or what? You know, from your perspective, what does that do? Losing. Yeah. I think you hit it on the head. It is the main part of being a pro, being yeah. able to try to adjust and adapt in certain situations that are, you know, sometimes miserable, you know, or even deflating. Like it, it's hard, but ultimately, yeah. like if you're trying to stick in a league, which everybody, you know, nobody's everybody's dreams when you're at that level were to be, you know, at that level. Sure. So you you try to figure out, you know, ways to make it work and how you can just you know, individually get better to contribute to, you know, the team winning, but it's hard, man. It is hard being on a bad team. And anybody who has, you know, played could, could probably, you know, speak to that. And, but sometimes that's, you know, every team in every league is not good. So that's the way that sports also works. So just kind of keeping things in perspective, trying to be the best version of yourself individually, because ultimately the better you become as an individual, you're going to, you know, ultimately make the team better as well. Um, but I don't really know if there's one answer for it. I, I think every athlete can speak to a time where it's just like, damn. Like, <laughs> so what did you do, Chelsea? Did you call your mom and be like, God damn, mom. what did you do if you were just having a bad Bro. couple games in the league? Or you're like, oh, damn, I don't know if I'm going to get cut. You know, I may not last that past this contract. You know, what did you do? You personally. I used to for me, and I've been cut many times, WNBA by pretty much every team in every scenario. But like, I think what, helped me is when I got to a point where I just was like, if I'm doing everything that I know I could possibly be doing sure. to be the best version of myself on the court, then you yeah. live with the results. And got that it. may sound like a bad attitude, but it's like, if I am eating right, Ronnie, shooting, yeah. getting extra shots up, working as hard as I can in practice, doing this, doing that, like I can't physically be any better. Like I'm doing the best that I can. So the end result sometimes is not up to me. Our team is garbage. So yeah. even me doing all that stuff, we still lose. Like, and, and there's a lot of different variables that go into different things, like being a pro. But that's honestly what helped me. Like, and okay. and and I did a lot more winning than I did losing. But just Great. being cut and stuff, and in the WNBA, many times where it's just like, hey, I, I'm I'm here on a 10 day contract. I didn't even get in the game, Ronnie. So what? what how you know? How was yeah. I able to show myself? How was I able to prove myself? But, you know, I came early and I got my shots up and I did I did everything that I could possibly do to be ready for whatever moment I was given. And I didn't get the moment yeah. and I was sent home. But, you know, you can wallow and cry and be upset. And, and everybody has emotions when it comes to certain stuff. But I really, especially overseas and after getting cut so many times in WNBA, I'm like, yo, I, I'm doing all that I can do. And sometimes, unfortunately, the best that you could do, Ronnie, is not good enough or not enough for, you know, whatever the end goal is. They're and you have to for, just kind yeah. of be okay with that. Okay. That's that's good. That's and that's some good insight for our, our, our listeners and people who, you know, strive to, you know, make a college team or even one day be in the pro. Like, you're going to have to deal with that because oh the average – on the average, the average pro loses so much more than the average college and high school star. Like, you know. Yeah, that's true. So speaking of winning and losing – We'll, we'll switch gears here and, and, and talk a little bit about uh, our closing uh, topic. And that is, and we're speaking of those high-level players and guys who didn't lose. And that, that's mainly the a uh, lot of talent in what was the NIBC, the National Interscholastic Basketball Conference. Recently, since our last pod, it came out that uh, it's now going to be branded and, and it's called the Nike EYBL Scholastic. So it's, mm -hmm. he has their imprint on the high school realm was obviously they're huge and they've been big on the grassroots scene and they're big in the, in the high school scene as far mm -hmm. as, um, you know, providing uh, apparel and gear to high school teams that started yeah. about our guy, Sonny Vaccaro started that after he did it with colleges mm -hmm. when he was with Nike in the eighties and the early nineties, we, we talked to him on this pod before and he kind of got that started with colleges um, endorsing the top high school, and it usually was involved a top player, and then they just yeah. endorsed the high school. Yeah, that grew to a whole circuit of teams that our guy Tony Dorado now is in charge of 
Yes. Of, of you know, deciding which teams are, are, are Nike-sponsored schools. So that's grown. But now they took it a step further, and it's granted the league that we talked about, and we talk about the Fab 50 a lot, or national rankings. And just to give people an idea of this EYBL Scholastic, in this current edition, go to ballslife.com, or we updated the rankings for the first time since the preseason. Uh, five of the top six teams are in the EYBL Scholastic. Mm -hmm. Eight are ranked, and Brewster Academy and Oak Hill are still unbeaten, and they're, they're on the bubble. There, they're on the verge. Uh, Brewster Academy, you know, they uh, are one of the new entries into the league. Chelsea, there's a team that dropped out of the old NIBC, and it added five, and we now have fourteen. So, just talk a little yeah. bit about that and the fourteen team league. Yeah, so you basically, you know, hit it on the head. Nike is starting a scholastic league, which is just basically prep type charter type schools, um, you know, to kind of just build on the grassroots presence that that they've already, you know, started uh, just accumulation of the top high school teams in the league to, to make them kind of uh, battle it out and kind of create a platform where, you know, these top kids, as you said, could be seen in the high school space. Um, which they already usually are scattered around. You know, you do your Fab 50 rankings or whatever, yeah. but the idea is to have the top teams all in one place and they're going to be consistently playing against each other, which is going to manipulate your rankings uh, in the future uh, later on down yeah. the line to have these top matchups that, you know, maybe you otherwise wouldn't see, um, you know, if this kind of platform wasn't created. And I know it already existed with the NIBC, but just kind of partnering with Nike is just enhancing it and making it better. Um, and this is going to be the first year that it debuts. So it's going to be um, pretty interesting. Um, I think, you know, Nike already has such a presence uh, with just top players across the country um, sure. that it's going to just be good to have them in one space. I'm, I'm really looking forward to, to seeing how, how things kind of play out. Um, you know, this is going to be, I guess, year one with the partnership, but um you know, good thing. It, it seems to be a league that's going to, you know, go in the right direction. What, what are your thoughts on it? Um, my thoughts are that, like you said, we've already seen it. It's just branded is that, like you said, it gives um, the public in general. Wow. I got to be involved in this. Um, you know, mm -hmm. this is where I want my high level kid to be. Yeah. Um, I, the games, a lot of them are streamed about on ESPN or there's are yep. on their platform. And we've talked about that in the preseason rankings where it's like, hey, if I'm six foot eight and I'm a pretty good wing or a four, I want to go up against another six foot eight wing or four. You know, like there's more of that. It's, the you know, iron sharpens iron mentality. Um, the success is there, especially with the top teams in the league. Now, there's some new teams. Again, Brewster for the first time has their high school team. They've been in the New England prep school circuit for a long time with postgrads, but now they have a four year program and jace coach jason smith does a great job um they've added veritas academy mm -hmm. uh, canyon international academy in, in phoenix and a few others so it gives it a bigger platform in terms of more teams and maybe there's going to be more teams in the future maybe they'll, they'll they'll have a division two divisions or something like that you know well, yeah. and i think what helps the league chelsea is and i talked to some of the top coaches about it the top teams in the league is they don't have to beat each other up so much. So they go 14 this year. If they go 16 or 18 next year, then the teams only have to play each other once. And then there's a round rock where they don't play one or two teams at all. Yeah. You know, because the first year of the league, honestly, it was like, guys, you guys are just beating the shit out of each other. Like yeah, you're, just, yeah, yeah. you're playing three or four times. And then it's just like, you're just beating each other up. And now you have eight and nine losses. I don't think they wanted that, you know? Okay. After 221, they, they started the COVID year. So 222 was the first year they had it. And, like, again, a lot of them had eight, nine losses. I don't think that was what they envisioned. Yeah. So you do it, you start seeing, okay, I'm playing Montverde, playing Sunrise two times, playing the IMG three times. It's like maybe they want to, you know, the more leagues you have, the more teams you have, the less you have to meet each other. And it builds up more anticipation, right? So yeah, one year, maybe in two or three years, if you have, like, Link Academy and the EYBL West, and then, you know, Montverde and the EYBL East, and then they haven't met yet, then there's some kind of like, wow, they're going to meet for a championship. Mm -hmm. Yep. yep. So I, I like think that. that is what people could envision. Um, I think the other, it's a wake-up call, obviously, to the other brands. Like, whoa. And and it's like, what are we going to do? And a little bit of that. And they, they've been dealing with that, though, Chess. It's not new. So if we, we break down, like, the 
most prestigious all-star game, the McDonald's game, Nike's had uh, affiliated to a travel team. The player has been at 16 or 17 of the 24 spots some years, 19. Yeah. Uh, 15, 19 seems to be a number I remember. You yeah. know, Adidas has three or four under armor one. And Independence has a lot more than people think. Independent is still pretty strong. You know, yeah. It's pretty interesting. Like, yeah. I'll give an example. Is, uh, Anthony Black, you know. Uh, does Anthony Black play for Orlando? I'm, just, I'm losing my mind right yeah, now. Yeah, Orlando. Like, Orlando Magic yeah. currently, yeah. yeah. He's actually yeah. playing now. He didn't start yeah. playing, but now he is. Yeah. So, you know, the, the strong, the, the independent is still there. So, again, yeah. that's changing. But So, I don't think it changes much in terms of what other people think. I just think it's the public's now. Wow, EYBL uh, in the high school realm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, people are gonna not like gonna like it, you know. Some tragedy, but that's that's normal. I mean, when you have a company like Nike, that nobody's gonna like their moves. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's success brings that. That's not normal. I mean, that's normal. Yeah. You know, it's 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 a normal move. So, like I said, many of the top teams go check out the rankings on BallsLife.com. But you know, um, as, as we we talk about that, and and let's just talk about the number one team, and it's not a surprise. Montverde's still mm -hmm. uh, undefeated in the early season. Uh, they want some big games. Speaking of Anthony Black, I'll just chime this in real quick. His younger brother, who plays for Duncanville, they lost Beckham back. He's really good. No, Keep that. Remember that really fans good. out there. Two twenty-seven. Beckham Black. Yeah, the kid is really good. I mean, they mm -hmm. lost to Montverde kind of heavily at the Thanksgiving Hoop Fest, but like he really did something. Didn't have no answer for him though. The highlights yeah. were crazy. Yeah, I mean, he stops, stops and go. He can get in the key, left hand finishes. I'm like, okay, he's pretty good for 227. You know, like, yeah. So, uh, you know, shout out to, to Beckham and other 227s that are going to be making a name for themselves. And it's always good. And again, and that goes back to what I've said. We've talked about some people having detraction from all oh, Montverde, and those teams have all the good players. Why do they play them? But then if they beat them or if they have a good game against them, oh, everybody talks about it. So yeah. there's still positives. You know what I mean? Like, True. Trust me, if an average high school team beats Oak Hill or Link, they're going to talk about it. They're going to pop their collar. As they should. Yeah, so that, that's where we – the flip side, to, we talk about a lot of good talent on these EYBL uh, scholastic teams. But, um, you know, when, when we talk about those top teams, uh, Chelsea, we're, we're going to probably see Link play Montverde on December 8th yep. in Las Vegas. Mobile Arena. Yeah, T-Mobile Arena. Uh, you know, fans, if you're out there, go check it out. But I mean, you're gonna people are gonna probably hear about it in the coming days. It's it's about 14 days away or whatever it is. You know, 10 days away as we shoot this on a Monday night. But Montverde, if you look at them, just real high line. You just look at their players, and it's not a stretch. Chelsea, Robert Wright, McNeely, uh, Issa Newell, uh, Asa Newell, I should say, uh, Derek Queen. And Cooper Flag, like mm -hmm. all those fives can be McDonald's All Americans, all five of them. So, uh, and then you throw in a few more guys on like Prolific Prep, which is not part of the EYBL league, but you throw that team and maybe a few others. Chelsea, now we're talking about like 10 of the 24 McDonald's spots. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe, you know, 11 or something, whatever it is, the case may be in 224, but just what, you know, what's your take on that? And, uh, you know, is that, yeah, what's your take on that? I mean, I think it's incredible that a, a team could produce, you know, probably so many McDonald's All-Americans at once. But I don't read too much into it, honestly. Sure. Um, historically, Nike kids or people that have played on the Nike circuit have been all over the McDonald's game. Sure. So, you know, the fact that they're coming from one team this year, I think it's an anomaly. I don't think it's really that big of a deal. Um, if you break down, you know, what circuit most of these kids play on, I think they're Nike kids anyway. So for me, I think it's cool that a team is able to to do this. And at the end of the day, McDonald's is all about sending the best kids. And so it's not anything personal. If this team is stacked and, you know, these are the kids that are all ranked within the top 20 in the country, then rightfully so they should be there. So I don't really think too much of it. What about you? Uh, yeah, I just think that, it sends a indirect message to a parent like, hey, Montverde has, again, they had three and 220, and IMG had three and 219, uh, which is, you know, nobody, no team yeah. has ever had more than three. And they've done it, or some, some teams have done it a few times now. I think IMG did it a second time with, 
with um, Keontae George in that group. But um, I think it indirectly sends a message. Like, I got to be part of this. Uh, again, let's just say you had a son, Chelsea. It's like, I want him to be part of this because that's where success is at. Like, it tells you that whether you say it or not. Like, it's just the statistics tell you that. So, yeah, I mean, I am I going to send wanted... my son to Shadow Ridge or Mojave or am I going to send him to IMG or, you know, like, really? Like, that's what No, I, I, I can see the intrigue. Yeah. But yeah. at the end of the day, your kid has to still be really good. You can yeah. put him on any platform. If, yeah. if the kid sucks, he sucks. He's not going to be a McDonald's kid. So it goes both ways, you know, like I get it. But definitely there's some intrigue in wanting your kid to be at the highest level and the best platform. Because if your kid is like that and he's able to do great things against Mount Brady and Cooper Flag, then obviously that's going to elevate your kid. So, of yeah. course. But, you know, you can't hate the player. You you, you got to hate the game. Those kids are really good, and 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 they're deserving to all be McDonald's All-Americans, and it just kind of is what it is. You know, that's how I look wow, at it. That's a, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see when, you know, they usually will come out after the MLK weekend, the teams. We're not there yet. We still got a long way. We haven't, we're not in December yet. But it's very interesting yeah. to see how that plays out. So good luck to all the teams in the Fat 50 and good luck to all the teams in the EYBL scholastically. But um for sure. Yeah, just to give a real quick note on that and as we wrap up episode 172, the McDonald's game has been around since 1978. It was 1989 when the first pair of teammates made the McDonald's game. Mm -hmm. It was George Lynch from who played later played for the Lakers and Aaron Bain who went to Villanova who didn't play in the NBA. Mm -hmm. And um they played at Flint Hill Prep, uh, nice. a school prep school in Virginia. And then it was all the way to 219 with that IMG team that won the championship. And uh, what's our guy's name who's at North Carolina? Armando Baycott. Is he still there? Yep, he's still there. Yeah, 219, IMG had three. And that was like, wow, three. You know, three. What are we yeah. like when the world was in? You know, like, oh, my God, three of the 24, you know. And then Montverde did the three the next year and really almost could have had four with Moses Moody, but they had De'Ron Sharp, Scotty Barnes, and Kate Cunningham. So are they gonna somebody are they gonna get four this year or five? You know, I don't think they're getting five. Who gets snubbed? Real quick, hot take if you have to leave one out. Um uh, McNeely gets snubbed, or maybe Robert Wright. I think Robert Wright should be in. Robert yeah. Wright's a bad boy. Like Again, but again, five, sometimes the voters might be like, nah, they can't all be that good. Yeah. Again, that's a give or take of it. Yeah, I don't know. Cooper's going to make it. Derek Queen's going to make it. Yeah. And then the fifth starter is uh, Asa Newell. He might be, that season might be borderline, you know? He might be borderline. So it's still open for debate. I mean, the upset, I think, would be if they just had two. Derek Queen and Cooper Flagg, everybody would be like, whoa. Yeah. I think the other upset would be five. So it, it, three or four sounds of our... Right, I think they're gonna get three or four. Yeah, I I, I think okay. they get four. So, uh, I, I really like Robert. Wright. I'm a big Robert Wright fan. Um, mm -hmm. I just think he's a good player. Again, has nothing to do with what team he played for. I just think he's a damn good player. So, on that note, well, good luck to everybody. Uh, I think we're out of here for this episode, episode 172. Check us out, and we'll be back in um, most likely a couple weeks after that game at T-Mobile. Yeah, you know, we'll probably take next week off, and then I'll probably, if unless things happen, I'll probably be a number one versus number two matchup. And our guy, Ani, me and you, we'll, we'll, we'll break it down. So until then, everybody, we'll talk to you next time. Take care.